This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. And I want to welcome Karen back. It's the second Tuesday of the month. That means it's Endurance Day. Hi, Karen. Hi, Glenn. So good to have you back. And of course, this is the most exciting show that we do every year because it's post-Tevis. So <laughs> I'm so excited about that. But before we get to that, talking all things Tevis, we have to talk about something else that's happening right now. Horse Nation. This episode is Do Try This at Home. Uh, Leslie, I'm failure is always an option. Any result's a result, that's for sure. Or not. Uh, regular listeners know Leslie Wiley is a regular contributor of our show every Monday for the last six years. I kind of challenged her on the air to go do the Mongol Derby, and she did. So <laughs> she is there right now. We're giving daily Leslie updates and daily Mongol Derby reports, which uh, which is the ultimate endurance race, right, Karen? <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> it's the oh, craziest, I think. <laughs> so. They are. That is just the most insane thing, not just because they're writing you know, these half broke, you know, Mongolian horses, but the food they're eating. Yeah. <laughs> See, Karen can't get over the food, but I here can't we get go. Over the food. I got a report from her husband this morning. Tommy says, as of this morning, Leslie says that training camp has been good. A crash course in Mongolian ponies and culture. Uh, she feels ready to go and sends her love. So at 10 p.m. tonight, as we're recording this on Tuesday, Eastern Time, it, it will be 10 a.m. there in Mongolia. And that's the moment 38 ponies and riders will thunder off together in competition. Wow. Now, to you know, for the people who didn't listen yesterday, for the endurance riders, they have a total of 1,400 ponies ready for this race. They will switch ponies. Each rider will do 25 ponies before they're done. They did get some warm-ups yesterday. I posted a link on Horses in the Morning Facebook page. I, I pinned it to the top. It's all the places where you can follow everybody's trackers, where their their Twitter page is very active over at the Mongol Derby. It's called Mongol Derby Live on Twitter. And they were posting little videos yesterday. We had a spotting of Leslie in one of the pictures, so we know she is there and then has not run screaming to the hills. Uh, they all got to ride Mongol ponies for about an hour yesterday, and the ones they interviewed were all excited about it. So <laughs> so uh, keep uh, Leslie in your prayers and, and, and Tommy to her husband, too, because he's probably having a meltdown. So <laughs> no. Is he there? No, or is... he's home. Oh, he's home. Yeah, okay. he's home. And, okay. you know, the flights there were like $3,000. It was crazy expensive proposition to do this whole thing. Wow. So, and there's a lot of riders from all over the world, 38 of them, from, from like 10 different countries. So we wish them all the best. Please be safe, everybody. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I did see that the blood wagon is there and ready to go. That's, yes, that's what they call it. So uh, they'll be chasing everybody along the course, but uh, they've all got their briefings. 
They all got their stuff. One girl, I have to say this, one girl luggage got lost. Oh, no. no. So she had to borrow oh my everything. Now, you're going on a ride that's seven, what, <laughs> nine days at dead out run for nine days. And you got to borrow everything. Underwear, pants, boots, riding stuff. Her wow. kit that she had to her build backpack. But apparently they came through and the Mongol Derby people helped her get set up. So, ugh. Oh, good. Yeah, talk about a nightmare. What's she feeling oh, right now? Wow. <laughs> well, we wish her the best of luck, too. <laughs> Hopefully it'll all go well. Jennifer, we're talking a lot of Tevis today, aren't we? It's Tevis, Tevis, Tevis Day here on the monthly endurance episode. And starting out this year, we've got the Hagen Cup winner, Jeremy Reynolds. And then midway through our 90-minute Tevis recap, we're going to chat with Kenny Lane, winner of this year's race. And then trotting briskly through the finish, Molly Farkas is going to stop by and chat about why she decided to finish the race 49 years after the first time she did it. Stay <laughs> tuned for the fray, folks. That makes her about 30, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Daily Winnie. <laughs> and today's... Uh, Daily Winnie goes to Brian Riome, who is also known as the Mule Man. He stopped and helped rescue at least two riders and one horse that had fallen off the trail in different places during the Tevis Cup, risking his own completion. They, uh, the ride management actually uh, granted his uh, an extension on his cutoff time. And as it turned out, he was on a mule that decided it was going to just go on through like a freight train. And he finished the ride with uh, several minutes to spare. One of the riders, he went down and, and from what I heard, he carried her back up on his shoulders. Oh, uh, and, uh, and, and then, uh, also had fallen a good way down the hill, right? There, there were a couple that fell and I'm not sure which one, you know, fell the furthest, but it was, you know, a steep drop off, you know, one of the horses fell and, and as it was trying to get up, it, it, uh, reared over again and fell even farther. Oh. Uh, so, you, you, you know, it was a great deal of effort on his part and a big sacrifice because he really was risking his, his completion because he was already riding right on the cutoff time as it was. And then he spent a, you know, significant amount of time helping these people that, you know, think, God, he was there to help them and, and get them, you know, back up to safety and get the horse, the one horse that had fallen also and get them back up. And then he also had the one rider, which um, I believe you interviewed somebody else yesterday that was there. Yeah. Uh, and he put the one rider on his mule and led all the way up one of the canyons to get her to safety. And so, um yeah, that was, uh, you know, a great, uh, you know, show of horsemanship. And um, so, uh, you know, kudos to him and congratulations on his still being able to actually complete and finish the ride and get his Tevis buckle. Well, good for him. I mean, that, that, yeah. it says a lot about the endurance community, doesn't it? Right. 
Right. They People really are do. always going to be there to help you, which is one, you know, wonderful. And uh, nobody wants to leave somebody that's, you know, stuck or injured or because the next ride you're going to you know, be that person. <laughs> it's it, well, it could be. Yeah, there's. That's just it. That's just it. And in fact, at the last ride I was at, I almost was that last person. <laughs> uh, uh, so l- let me tell you real quick about yeah. what happened to me on my last ride. I did the Hat Creek Hustle, which is a really nice ride. It's up by Mount Lassen in Northern California, and a lot of it takes place on the Pacific Crest Trail. And for the those that don't know, the Pacific Crest Trail is a lot of single track trail uh, through this area. There's a lot of volcanic rock and stuff because, you know, Mount Lassen and, and Shasta, I guess, you know, it's a volcano. So, um, you know, it's a tough, challenging uh, ride. And I was riding Bo the second day. My first, um, my 10-year-old junior rode Bo on, on the first day, which was a tough 50, and I rode Chief. And then the second day I rode Bo. So he did a hundred miles there and we're just kind of trotting down the trail and we went around a turn and there was a through hiker. And uh, for those that don't know, a through hiker is somebody that is hiking the entire trail from Mexico to Canada, which is like 2,600 miles. And uh, one of the volunteers said, yeah, by the time they get up here, they're kind of, some of them are kind of loopy. Kind of zoned out. (laughs) They're kind of zoned out. So we come around the corner and she had seen us coming, but we hadn't seen her. And so what she did is she ducked behind a big manzanita bush and she crouched down behind it. Oh, no. (laughs) With her and, and. You know, the fact that she's a through hiker meant she had her full hiking gear and pack and all that on. So she's now hiking she around a turn she was doing you a favor. <laughs> behind a bush. And um, I come around the corner and Bo was like, ah! <laughs> and so, you know, if I had been a little bit younger, um, it, <laughs> I might have been able to save myself. But however, at the first time in over 9,000 miles of riding bow, I actually came off. You and actually so, dismounted? A voluntary yes, dismount? Yes, I did. I did an <laughs> un, unplanned dismount that was not very graceful. Where'd you land? And which part? I, on the ground. <laughs> no, which part? Which part did you land on? Uh, in the entire body. Oh, <laughs> because. Yeah happened was he just jumped sideways and then he stopped because he realized oh it's a person well in the meantime I had lost my balance and I had fallen over on the side well I had my hands on the reins and so I'm basically still hanging on with um like my foot (laughs) over the top of the saddle and then the reins and so I'm kind of pulling Bo over because I don't have his mane or anything you know, I'm holding the reins. And so I kind of looked up, looked down and went, oh, dang it. <laughs> you know, if I was younger, I could have pulled myself up like a little monkey and I would have been fine. But I was like, okay, this, this isn't going to work. And so I just sort of slowly let go and went just plop in this big okay, cloud of dust and went poof up in the air. And, you know, so Uh-oh. it wasn't, it wasn't like I got thrown off or anything like that. I just sort of slowly dropped to the ground yes, and, and got back up and I was fine. Dog alarm. And then we, we kind of laughed at that. Poor dog alarm. Hold on Uh-oh. one second. I got uh, some uh, <laughs> sound going on here and I don't know where it's coming from. So f-
Do you hear it? I don't hear it. Okay. Uh-uh. Everything's fine over here, Glenn. We don't care. Okay. We don't hear you. <laughs> I had the. Uh, I had some sound going on, and I don't know where it came from. So, uh, all right. Sorry about that. I'm glad you made it. Now, was this girl terrified? Was she, like, feeling really bad then? No. Well, she did. She's like, do you need any aspirin? I have, you know, Advil or whatever. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, I'm fine. I'll be okay. There's a horse chasing her down. (laughs) And I said, just so you know, there's, you know, a few horses behind me. Um, The best thing is to be visible and talk to them. You know, don't crouch behind a bush. (laughs) She wasn't blonde, was she? (laughs) Uh, no, I don't think she was. Okay, because we're following a hiker who's doing the Pacific Crest Trail on video this year, and her name's Dixie, and she's she, but she's blonde. You would know her. It, and I asked her. I said, "Do you have a blog?" She says, "Like, no, I don't have anything online." So, um, okay, okay. Yeah, she right. had hiked the entire trail, and I asked her, "What were the Sierras like?" And she says, "Oh, it wasn't that bad." Well, they, and actually, Dixie went just went through the Sierras, and it was you know it was pretty hairy, but the streams were what caused problem. There were several hikers that died this year. Because they got washed down. I know. Yes. And and what this hiker said was that it just depended on the timing. If you went too soon, you know, there was still too much snow. If you went too late, there was too much snow melt. And so uh, it was just kind of a combination of uh, getting the timing right. But yeah, she was well on her way to to making it and um, good for her. Well, let's let's real quick, we only have a couple minutes. Let's real quick go through the numbers. Okay, there were 174 starters on Tevis this year, 92 finished, 82 pulled, leaving a 52.8% completion rate. Is that about normal? uh, Is that about what it runs? I think it's about right. It's usually right around half or so. And all six junior riders completed. Oh, wow. Very cool. that completed we had well in Appaloosa we had a couple of gated horses finished Uh, so for some you know obviously had a terrific ride and experience and then some of course don't you know it's it's uh, as you see with the 52.8% completion rate that means that almost half of the riders didn't finish You, you know so hopefully some of them will be inspired to come back and give it another shot all right, very good. Well, uh, Kristen is ready. If you well, good morning, to- Kristen. Good morning, Karen and Glenn. <laughs> How are you? Great. Thanks for joining us again live. Uh, yeah. So tell us, uh, what products do you have this month that, that uh, we all want to learn about? Well, I thought we haven't discussed our beta-biathane tack in a while, so for some of the riders that maybe don't know about it, I thought we'd talk about that. Um, so we'll start by saying that we hand-make all of the beta-biathane tack right here in our store in Peculiar, Missouri. Um, it's custom-made, most of it to order, so it comes in, uh, we stock over 60 colors. Um, I had to go back and count this morning because I've lost track. Wow, 60 (laughs) colors. um, Yeah, that's a lot of colors. (laughs) Um, We have 20 beta colors and 23 biothane colors. We have reflective colors and camo colors. And now we even have southwestern nylon designs for those that like um, that look, which can go on top of the beta biothane, which is pretty exciting. And for those that don't know what biothane is, it's a polymer-coated webbing. So it's a 
padded nylon webbing, essentially, which doesn't mold, um, crack, peel, and it conforms to the horse and is really comfortable. It's waterproof, super easy to clean. You can mm-hmm. hose it off or dunk it in a bucket. I know that there are riders out there that put it in their dishwasher or washing <laughs> machine. That's me. <laughs> yeah, so super easy to keep clean and very comfortable for the horse. And you have, um, uh, tell us about the options on the hardware. We offer the tack. Um, you can have it made in stainless steel or solid brass. So whatever your preference is there. Um, I will say when we make this tack, all of our folds, um, you know, it's cut off of large rolls and put onto the hardware. So all of the folds go away from the horse for your horse's mm-hmm. comfort. There are a lot of manufacturers out there um, that don't do that, which could potentially rub. Um, so we, we make sure your horse is as comfortable as possible over these miles that, right. that he's doing. <clears throat> we do right. offer sizing charts. Oh, cool. And this stuff does last forever. I mean, it, it literally... Does. It lasts for years and years. Yeah, it's uh, fabulous. Lasts, it will last longer than than the horse. <laughs> you know, honestly, you have to uh, come up with, uh, you know, excuses and reasons to try to buy new biothane tack because it will never wear out. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a great part about it. Yeah. And it's so comfortable and just, you know, super for what, what we're doing for sure. We have great designs, too. We have some um, fun Western designs. I mean, we're always changing it up, and um, we have tons of different styles for every horse and rider. So whatever your preference is, whatever works best for your horse, we have some bridles without brow bands. We have padded breast collars, you know, split reins, regular reins. Um, you name it, basically. If, if you can name it, we make it. And we have. We've made some interesting products over the years. Right, sure. right, right. And I know you made the tack for the riders that were in the Rose Parade, too. Yeah, t- 24 of those riders, yeah, wearing our red, white, and blue tack, which was really exciting. And we've made many years, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> many years we've made the tack for the U.S. endurance teams uh, mm-hmm. over time. So that's pretty fun, too, for us to be able to say. So, yeah, pretty, pretty great stuff. Right. And if somebody is interested in ordering, how would they go about that? Well, they can visit our website, www.thedistancedepot.com, and or request one of our 2017 catalogs and, and or give us a call toll-free at 866-863-2349. Terrific. Well, thank you, Kristen, for joining us. Thank you, Kristen. I don't know how anybody who rides endurance wouldn't want this with all the weather and crap you guys go through. (laughs) Right. Right. We went out the other day. Yeah, it had flooded in our area recently, and we went out, and it was just muddy as could be. We came in, and I hosed off my tack and hung it up. It looked brand new. I know. That's the best part about it. I know I have a biothane harness, and I I wouldn't do anything else down here in Florida. Just be a moldy mess all the time. I even have my dog collars and buy a thing now. It's wonderful stuff. Yeah, we do. Yep, we do a lot of those. And you know, Jen, you guys have a great day. Well, yeah, and I, I just wanted to say Jennifer had uh, ordered some stuff from you too, and one of the pieces was not the right size, and you guys made the right size and sent it out. It's the customization and how you work with your customers is what I think is the best about that whole about dealing with you guys. Well, thank you. Yeah, we try. We we do a lot of it. It keeps us busy for sure. 
Well, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Kristen. Distance Depot. Check it out online. Check it out today. Right, and they are fast. When you order stuff, it's sometimes I am shocked how quickly I get things from them. Well, now let's um, let's do this. Let's head over to an interview we caught we caught up with uh, a certain guest yesterday. Tell us about him. Yes, Jeremy Reynolds. He won the Hagen Cup at this year's Tavis, placing third place. All right, very good. And we got we caught up with him yesterday. And he and his wife ride together. He, they've both been guests on the show before. Well, Jeremy, thank you for joining us. And congratulations on another great finish and your Hagen Cup win this year at the 2017 Tevis. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing about your ride, how things went, and about your horse. So let's start with your horse, uh, Treasured Moments. Tell us about her. Yeah. Yeah, so... um, um a little bit of a great story, I guess. Uh, I, I picked her out. I had the opportunity to um, work with a horse trainer in Maryland um, a few years ago, and I was actually doing the whole stable, doing all their feet, and it was the that year's um, racehorses, flat track, and um, she was a late two-year-old coming three, and I really just grew held a real strong bond with her. I just loved working on her. I thought she was gorgeous. And um, she ended up having a spectacular three-year-old year and then went on to having a, a, a really good four-year-old year. And lucky for me, she was bred by Cree Run and, and, and they're in Virginia. And um, Time had two amazing mares that were just dominating everything. And she was coming third to them most of the time, unless they weren't in the race, and then she would win. So I was very fortunate to get to buy her as a late four-year-old. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was it just by chance, because any other year, she would, those, those two seasons, she probably would have been one, pretty much the top mare in the country, but she had these two superstars she was competing against. So I, um, Heather and I had the opportunity to purchase her. And then we um, did a couple LDs on her and then actually bred her. And she has a uh, amazing filly. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she was raising last summer while we were doing Tevis. So it's um, a really bright future. She j- she's only seven. So, uh, and I don't know. I, and she was, yeah, this year I had a lot of bad luck with horses. Um, she was, she was like a full, my fourth alternate choice and um and she just came through and wow and I, don't, I don't typically like to ride seven-year-olds at tevis is, i think is sometimes a little bit too young but she she did do 375 this season slowly and um with um some least riders and she looks gorgeous so uh-huh. i was, i just decided to kind of switch roles and train her up the last um she was already fit but I gave her like a uh-huh. three or four week training block for tennis. And the goal was just to go around and have a good time. Uh-huh. And did you help her out by running on foot a lot? Yeah, I did. My, you know, I, I had a really good horse I was training and he um, got cut in the pasture just hanging out and it oh. was very unfortunate. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, horses can do some wild things as you know. And so, um, uh, when when I switched to Treasure, 
um, I was already getting fit running, but, um, wasn't quite as fit as I felt I needed to be for her. So with four weeks to go, I really cranked down on my running so that I could help her out as best as I could. I think this year was the, probably one of the, I I would say I was probably the fittest for, as Tevis goes for running to help my horse. Mm -hmm. And I, I did that all day long. I, I mean, she didn't carry me down anything longer than a quarter mile and, and she didn't carry me up any major climbs. That's for sure. And I, I paid off in the end and she ran and she's a dream to run with. Um, some horses don't really pick it up and we didn't train at it much, but she was just a natural. I could run as fast as I possibly could through any kind of terrain, extremely yeah. rocky, big boulders and she would just stay right behind me and I wouldn't even hear her um, hardly cl- clip a rock or knock anything around. It was really fortunate and just just a testament how sure-footed and amazing she is. Yeah. Well, I watched the Hagen Cup judging and I have to say your presentation was just wonderful. You did an excellent job. Well, thank you. Um, you know, it's funny. I, we don't, I haven't practiced much with her because she's not one of my main horses yet because she's so young. I think that's going to change now, but um, I, you know, she's still young. So I have to definitely take it easy and give her big breaks while she's developing. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, she, she's always kind of shown well when you do trot out that's natural to her. And, and it's, it's nice. She, she did move really fluid and loose Mm -hmm. and, um, was able to keep up with me as fast as I could run, which does right, right. I, it does help on a, on the pre, pre, presentation for um, the Hagen Cup. Definitely. Well, so now tell us a little bit about the ride itself. What did you think about uh, the trail change at the, um, you know, before Robinson's? Yeah. So um, the Soda Springs and that road, I believe it's fifty one that they yeah. added in from Soda Springs. All that was wonderful. And, um, interesting, the, t- the course did not, I mean, it, it added a pretty substantial downhill and, um, climb before we got to the old trail. And then uh-huh. when we got to the old trail, right about right before Cougar rock and we latched back on, um, the, that section of trail for a few miles was the worst I've ever seen the trail. And due to, I, I take, I'm, I'm sure it's, due to the extreme winter that we had this year mm-hmm. and this year because there was no topsoil left. It was just rock on top of rock for, I would say a good, what is that? About four or five miles uh-huh. to where we latch on to the okay. line ridge, the new, and then the new first aid station there. Um, red, the new red star location for this year. And, um, and, the, and so that, that, you know, that, that's what I think slowed down a lot of people and in addition, even though it was slightly shorter than the um, the original course or the cur- course we currently use, uh-huh. um, that was that did a- I think those ex- that extra climb, that extra descent, maybe slowed us down quite a bit. And then the new uh, the ex- the latching onto the regular trail, slowing us down with all that extra rock. After Red Star, there was a a, a major descent we did along the Lions Ridge and then down to French Meadows. And that was actually the most difficult part. Um, the 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 dust. It was, uh-huh. man. I would say it, it was up over my ankles as I was running down, and 
and it was just a huge cloud and there were so many horses together and you couldn't really see very much of what you were stepping on. And um, I would say that was the worst part of the trail. And then the Duncan Canyon, which is absolutely gorgeous. If you ever have a chance to go hiking uh-huh. or riding up there, Duncan Canyon is just beautiful. And um, I was fortunate to help this year at Tevis, Heather and I both. And we um, we went up and um, marked trail and actually documented trails so that the um, crews that the Western States Board had going up to... Um, to um, clear the trail and everything we documented and asked them to do this section and that section marked with ribbons and they actually did a beautiful job and that was up to that point of the trail that was one of the best parts of the trail the one that ever we were all worried about but they uh-huh. they did just a spectacular job of cleaning it up that that it ended up being a great um part of the trail right so do you feel that overall was the course about the same as you remember from previous years, um, as far as difficulty goes, or maybe was it a little easier? What do, what do you think? Oh, I actually, I think it was a little more difficult actually. Uh-huh. They, I mean, it, I think it added, um, uh, one or two extra big climbs that we normally wouldn't have. Okay. And then, the, but the, and then the weather was, uh, the weather was just strange this year. It was very fortunate because we had really cool weather um up until we hit the california loop we got rained on multiple times wow it cool all the way through i mean it, it started heating up for me it started heating up uh on my way to michigan i guess and before that it was i was extremely cool like in the low 70s most of the time and rainy and overcast yeah that sure i think helped a lot of the horses out yeah yeah, absolutely. And it just showed because we um, get getting into Robinson, I mean, the front horses were 45 minutes behind normal pace. And it mm-hmm. wasn't we weren't going slower than normal. It just the trail was take it was just that much more technical and difficult. And, and not just footing wise, but climb wise, we had quite a bit more climbing to do. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it was it was really fun watching it on the webcast, all of the front runners. I mean, there were so many of you that it had placed well previously. And it was like nobody was getting pulled this year. It was like out of like the top 15 riders um, that I was following up in the front. They just kept, you know, they made it. You guys almost all made it to the end, which I thought was really impressive. Yeah. yeah, it was a, it was a great year for for competition wise. Um, I mean, when we started, I was <clears throat> I was thinking, man, usually I could pick out five that are gonna be there in the end, but this year it was hard. Like I was like, there's like fifteen twenty horses that really have a chance to stay in that top group all day, and and um, and then so and and we were you know leapfrogging each other most of the day, and it really didn't start spreading out until about Forest Hill. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, and, um, so, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask what's up next on your schedule. Um, we have a, we're going to try to make it, we're going to go on a nice little cruise with some friends to see Alaska. Oh, and, cool. Um, yeah. We'll spend a little time, um, uh, uh, away from the horses, just a, just a few days. And then, um, 
we're going to head home to Florida and we have an FEI race, um, the beginning of, um, September, we're going to try to make, and then, um, just a lot of local races, um, coming up because our season in Florida starts kicking off here soon. Uh, and now do you still have your horses here that you need to take back to Florida? Yeah, we'll be driving a, a load home. Yep. <laughs> Lots of driving, endurance driving. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we used to do like like one day, one and a half or two day just marathon drives and getting back across the country. But um, I think we've gotten a little smarter and um, we we um, visit friends on the way and we usually only drive a full day like it may be like a 10 or 11 hours and then okay. stop for a day or so and visit a friend and then do it again and mix it. It breaks it up nice and the horses seem to like it. And then we get to visit with friends on the way home. Right. Right. It's a little more enjoyable of a trip that way too. Yeah. How did you, I saw that uh, in a couple of the reports that you and Heather were together a lot of the way, huh? Yeah, we, um, we did, we did ride a lot together. We, um, we kind of, we always have the, the goal to stay as close as we possibly can, but, um, if the horses aren't pacing perfectly and because I can run downhill through technical terrain really well. And Heather, um, actually a couple of weeks ago hurt her ankle, so she couldn't get off oh. at all. We would separate on the defense down, um, the canyons and then her horse would hike or hike with her on and, or kind of like a walk jog. He was just marching so fast she would catch me by the top of the next canyon where I would have stayed on foot, um, kind of power mm -hmm. hiking to catch me with like a half a mile to go up the next canyon. And we'd be back together again for a little while. And we, we pretty much did that all day. And then where it was just normal going with the horses where we're both riding, we were, we'd pretty much stay together. And yeah, and her horse just, it, the hills, the downhills just caught up with her, with her riding, and having the bum ankle, um, he just got a little sore and looked beautiful the next day and actually full of, full of piss and vinegar. Uh -huh. <laughs> he really didn't use up. He was it just, I think he got a little sore in his shoulder and, and his day was done at Francisco's. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, there were quite yeah. a few with their days done. It's, although we were looking at the numbers before we talked to you and it seemed to be about average. I mean, I thought it'd be a little higher with the polls this year. Yeah, um, I think the saving grace was the weather at the, you know, for over half of the race, the weather was just spectacular. Mm -hmm. Well, it helps. Wow. <laughs> I think that it even beats 100 degrees. And, you know, <laughs> once we got past, once we got through Robinson after that, the, the, the trail, I had my concerns because we, we trained up here all summer and we really didn't um, go to the um, staging area very much because the beginning of the, the or the finish of the trail, um, was very treacherous that we have not seen in the past. And, um, so, I was, so we stayed off the trail for the most of our training due to that fact. And actually once we left Robinson all the way to the last few miles of the trail, the, the course looked, was, was really in good shape. It was really, really in good shape. So, um, I think I'm, I'm not sure how the pools went after, um, Robinson or Forest Hill, but, um, there, it was it was pretty average the course after that point. 
Right. Yeah, they had a lot of people riding right on the cutoffs. You know, they extended the cutoffs or they would have had, you know, quite a few more overtime pulls. And those people just kept on trucking and a lot of them actually made it. Yeah, that's great. And that was just because the course was so much more difficult in the beginning. I'm sure everyone got close to that cutoff time. But but then once they, you know, got down to the normal part of the trail, they could just keep that same pace as years past and really truck through. And, um, and it's it just a testament to the volunteers and all the people that help make the ride go right and mm-hmm. take care of the trail because, I mean, it can get super treacherous um, if it isn't taken care of with logs and everything else and washouts. And there were a lot of washouts that I saw were fixed, a lot of washouts, big sections of trail that uh-huh. Um, gone down the hill and they did a lot of work to wow that's great right so we could get past yeah good good so now what's your record on tevis um i think i'm i think i'm just above 50 percent now okay um i think i'm now five for nine oh okay um, yeah but you've got three wins and three hagen cup yeah three wins three hagen cups um a third and a fourth. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, um, two double cups where I've won both cups in the same year. Yeah. Great. And what about Heather? Um, she has um, four cups, two and two. Two wins wow. and two, yeah. And, wow. Uh, and one of those was a double cup. Yeah. That's, that's really impressive. You guys have to step up your game. It's our passion. It's our, it's our you know, it's this. You know, we've made a career out of it, and we love what we do. And you are doing, um, you two as a couple are doing what what ninety percent of of teenage horse girls want to do, right? I mean, you're <laughs> living the dream as far as they're all concerned. Uh, yeah, and you know, I was told at a young age from some really good people that I looked up to that they said, "Don't worry about money." just find a passion and follow it and put your, your whole heart into it and, and things will work out. And that's, and that's what it has done for us. And we do put our whole heart into it and love it. Absolutely. And we, you know, horses can be tough. I mean, they, they can really break your heart and have accidents that you can't foresee some of which you can, but some of them you can't. And you just have to kind of take the lumps and keep moving forward and just keep your eye on the positives and, um, and it will get better because we had a really bad um, last since last September. It's not been so good for us. We've had a lot of accidents and and horse mishaps and just really bad stuff that's happened. And we just you know just keep keep our heads up and keep looking at the good things and and it ends up paying off and and that's our our viewpoint and we just and, um, and it just I'll, makes it so I'll, much fun i'll throw in there though jeremy and the 100 hour weeks that's the part that people don't see when they're not watching the race is the 100 hour weeks yeah yeah right. absolutely they, yeah. yeah a lot of say oh you just get to ride all day i'm like um riding is the fun part <laughs> yeah it's all the other it's all the other crap and hard work <laughs> and taking care of the animals mm-hmm. and the highs and the lows. And, and, and yeah, they don't see also, right. they, they also don't see the business side. You're running a business. I mean, and you still have all of that yeah. to deal with too. It's still a business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for Heather, Heather's magical with paperwork and keeping up on all that stuff because it's very difficult. And, um, and we're, we're a great team. We complement each other very well. 
I like to say, um, Heather's the brains and I'm the bronze. I, I really, I abuse my body a little bit, um, <laughs> doing stuff that, um, a lot of people have to farm out that kind of work. And I just put it on my shoulders and do it. And, um, it, it complements each other, just having each other, um, and that's been very fortunate. You for mean us. those staff and of twenty don't do it all, Jeremy? That staff you have of twenty people don't do everything. <laughs> Please, I wish I had staff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People assume that we have all this help, and and we have very we have great friends that help us at races, and 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 the best crew ever, and they travel around the world with us. But for the most part, it's Heather and I cranking it out every day, seven days a week. We, we mm-hmm. rarely take a day off, and but we love it. We absolutely adore the horses, and and all of them. They all have a special place in our hearts, and and it just makes it so much fun. And when we ha- have Hag- win Hagen Cups or win big races, it, it it really it just boosts our our energy for the next one. And um, mm-hmm. and so that's yeah, that's how we kind of our perspective and. And it, it's just a dream. We get to live. It is hard work, but we don't think of it as work. We just think of it as we get to do our passion every day. Great. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And congratulations again. Job well done. You know, uh, we we did that interview yesterday, and we should say that he was out for a 10-mile walk to, str- to get loosened <laughs> to up loosen while up. we were talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> good for him good for them both well we uh i gotta ask you before we get to our next guest who uh who we're very excited to have on were you sorry you didn't go this year you know i hadn't really planned on it just because we had such a severe winter here i, I just hadn't really got myself for the horse prepared although we probably could have done it, but I just didn't feel that I, as a rider, was ready. Um, and so that's okay because, you know, my horse did 100 miles at, at the Hat Creek ride two weeks before Tevis. And, uh, y- you know, so, you know, we don't have to go every year. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's somebody that was very happy she went this year. Right. Up next, we have Tennessee Lane, who won the Tevis Cup this year, and she's a very successful endurance rider and is also the ride manager of the upcoming AERC National Championship ride that's going to be held uh, just in a couple of weeks from now. Um, So welcome to the show, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? How how are you recovering from your trip? Oh, it's. We're still driving home. We've got a long ways to go and a lot to get done once we get home. So no rest for the weary. Right. So how long of a trip is it for you from Colorado to California? It's a minimum of two days. And that first day that, you know, Sunday afternoon after the award ceremony, we were in no condition to drive home. We were both very <laughs> tired, Indy and I. And uh-huh. so we made it a couple hours that first day. And then last night we just parked on the, on like somewhere here in Utah. <laughs> it's beautiful <laughs> here. I'm not sure where we are. But wow. we're, just, we're just out here in the mountains partway home and we hope to make it home later tonight. You're and, at the uh, one, to work on the national you're at the one place in Utah that actually has cell service. So good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That's actually yes, why well, we thank- decided not to move this morning. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for, for making room for us. Um, no so problem. let's, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about, uh, the horse you rode and, and s- some of, I want to hear about your training schedule and, and stuff leading up 
to the Tavis this year. Okay. Well, I'm not sure how much background everybody has, so I'll just start at the top. Um, Far, who's just an amazing, beautiful horse, is not mine. He was Kevin Myers' horse. And Kevin Myers was a dear friend and a wonderful human being and a huge member of the Endurance family, just a huge member of the community. And we lost him very tragically last year to suicide. It really rocked our community. Um, We have all been kind of still mourning Mm -hmm. and still recovering from that very shocking, uh, sad tragedy um, over the past year. And it, anyways, it's just, it's something that we're all still healing from, I should just say. Um, regardless, his far, far, his horse is just become an icon. Not only is he, was he already an amazing athlete with an absolutely immaculate, flawless record with thousands and thousands of endurance miles, not a single pull, seven Tevis completions, a Hagen cup, you know, just a, a uh-huh. phenomenal, beautiful horse. That's just so iconic because he's got such a recognizable face, just this big piebald face, you know, and such as he smiles when he goes down the trail. He's such a happy guy. Um, so when Russ, so I had planned to go to Tevis on my best horse bluff and he got a minor injury just a few months, what, three months before Tevis. And although he healed, I did not believe Tevis would be a good comeback ride. There's no way I was going to risk my best horse, you know, some kind of re-injury that would have been catastrophic. So I was super heartbroken and bummed and literally about to scratch from the Tevis when Rusty called me because he had heard about, uh, about bluff because we're kind of a close community as you know. Um, and he asked me to ride far and I was just flabbergasted. I was flattered and honored and had to take a moment to think about it because it's a lot of pressure. Um, you know, it's just, it's a ton of pressure and it's also just such an amazing opportunity. So at the end of the day, after talking to my family and my crew, I decided to go for it and he brought far over a couple months ahead of time so that I could get to know him and develop a relationship with him and Mm-hmm. You know, he handed me, um, he came to one of my Spanish Peaks rides and in the dark, he handed me his lead rope. And I remember him jokingly saying like, oh, I mean, no pressure. You know, the, all, the only way you could possibly improve his record was, you know, to win Tevis. And he just kind of laughed. Aha. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no problem. No, that's a lot of pressure. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, I'm like, wouldn't that just be amazing, you know, to do that and to have that kind of closure after losing Kevin on Kevin's horse. And so in the back of my mind, that was always my goal. And also in the back of my mind, I was remembering that it's extremely risky to race that hard on a horse that's never been pulled because I sure as heck don't want to be the one person who sure. has a pull on far. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so phenomenal horse. And it was quite ride. a race this, this year. Right? No pressure it, on you. It, yeah. Really? <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. It was an awesome race. We had so much fun, but um so when he when he got to my place, Steve had been riding him and Steve rides at about one eighty with Tack and so I knew he was fit, but he was also living down in Arizona. So I, I knew he was you know, he was carrying a lot more weight than he was gonna be carrying when he was carrying me. He was used to that, he was fit, he had been doing fifties. Um, he had been living in extreme heat with like 120 degrees down in Arizona. I don't even, it's like the surface of the sun. So he was <laughs> adjusted to heat and yeah. I'm not. And so now my goal is like, okay, I'm going to take advantage of my end of the spectrum, which is 9,000 feet of elevation is where we're sleeping at. I have mountains out my back door and Wildcat Canyon, which people who have ridden my trail, they know how steep those canyons are and how technical. So 
my goal was to do as much of the work that I thought he might still be lacking in in the little amount of time that we had. And Mm -hmm. so we did straight up and down. And I know, you know, at his age, I also didn't want to mess with his joints. And so I, I did not do a lot of speed work and a lot of trotting down trails and a lot of stuff. We walked slow up hills that, you know, are steep enough that all you're ever going to do is walk up them. We walked up and we walked down and we walked up and we walked down. We did, you know, six hour rides. We did two hour rides. And I went to the top of the East Peak. I went down back into the canyon. You know, we just, we just pleasure rode, in my opinion, because I was sitting on his back like a fat person. But I was working his mountain muscles because I knew those canyons are the make it or break it point for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to know him over that period of time. Of course, we did some also, so a little bit of fast stuff just so I could get to know his pacing and everything. And the crazy thing is that while... While we did get to spend time together, and he is a phenomenal horse, and I kind of know what I'm doing. I've been around the block. Um, We never really clicked. You know, like, we were doing great together. But I just, I didn't feel like we knew each other well enough. Like, he was doing his job well, and I was doing my job well. And it was kind of like, okay, cool. You know, here we go. Here we go to Tavis. And I I just had this little thing in the back of my head that just didn't feel right. And so we we took off for Tavis and um, stayed in Carnelian Bay to rest for a few days um, Mm -hmm. because it's a couple day drive and I didn't want to rest in Auburn where it's like the surface of the sun again. Mm -hmm. Um, And so on my warm up rides in Carnelian Bay, that's when we had our magic moment. And I don't know what happened or how, well, I do know there was an instance, but we came around the bend on a trail and there was a bicyclist and it was a very technical portion of the trail. And he did like a raining cut up the side of the mountain and to the side at a gallop. And I was right there with him and we both agreed on the decision. And I don't know if that was the moment, but we just completely clicked. And after that, you know, but whereas before that he was killing me, he's a jackhammer. He's also one of the roughest horses on the planet. And I'm not joking when I say <laughs> that. Um, I was really struggling to get in a flow with him. And after that moment, uh-huh. he felt normal. He felt like any normal horse, like we were comfortable together. We were moving very fluidly down the trail. We were making our lead changes perfectly. And he, we were having fun, you know, for the first time, it didn't feel like there was pressure on us. It didn't feel like we were training. We were having a blast. Like, I mean, I had a smile on my face. He had a smile on his face and we're, I was giggling going down the trail. I was excited and I was like, Oh my God, we've got this in the bag. And for the first time it felt like he was my horse, you know, which, which is cool. And I trusted him uh-huh. and he trusted me. And, and that's so important going into Tevis. So I feel like just in the nick of time, you know, we barely had enough time to get to know each other. It was just a few months. And just in the nick of time, we, we bonded and it was like, yes, like we were excited. And he, he, he would perk up when he saw me and he was like, that's my girl. And it was like, okay, cool. At least we've identified each other. We're a team now. That's so cool. And on top of the fact that I'm all, I was already very confident in my crew, I knew that they would be at each spot. I knew they'd be ready for me. So with two crew members and an awesome horse and just the four of us were all very, I don't know, we were ready. And so it was just, that was, that's the preemptive, like leading up to Tevis. That's how it all came together. Wow. And what did you think of the trail this year? I loved it. Um, I had a blast full time. I, I feel like, the the starting like the camping at the beginning was super stressful i'll say that i mean we're literally a stone's throw from a train that went by all night and was stressing out a lot of horses that were flipping out on the trailers next to us and 
um, it, we were packed in there. Like when we drove in, they sent us into a parking lot where they're literally, we just came to the end and had to park in the middle of the road because <laughs> everybody was sandwiched. Like there was horses sandwiched between trailers and it was baking hot and the train was going by. And so that I hated, I can say that much. Like I was, I wish that there was more space. Otherwise I think that would be an awesome starting point because the trail between there and Robinson, I loved it. I uh-huh. absolutely loved it. I think it was more difficult. I think it was probably slower. I mean, I feel like we had already done, you know, like when I think of Tevis, I think of surviving from the start to Robinson. And then I think the middle part of the canyons to Forest Hill. And then I think the end is the race. But this year we had already done a canyon before we even got to Robinson. And so I think that spread everybody out quite a bit. Just, just that. And I thought it was gorgeous and fun. I, it was very rocky, and I, I can understand why as a ride manager with with all the rain that we've gotten, all the dirt has gone with it. Mm-hmm. So I totally mm-hmm. feel for the ride manager. I've had to reroute trails as well. And I mean, we were just going with it. So I was trying to be super smart about it. I was cruising at the speed that I thought was smart, which I thought it was weird that we were already in the front when we got to the front. But I was like, you know, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just riding my ride as far as happy. And we were walking down the rocks and we were cruising everything else. And there were people that would go bombing down the rocks next to us and pass us and we'd leapfrog. And I was like, you know, and far was in total agreement. Like we're walking this, like not a problem. And then we'd cruise everything else. Um, So there was a lot of leapfrogging at the beginning. And and I know towards the end, it was up until like the very last vet check, wasn't it? Where you were with another rider and you got, I think a two minute faster time uh, and then you went on to win and you were a few minutes ahead at the finish. But tell us about that last vet check. How did that play out? Okay. Um, Lindsay and I, Lindsay, first of all, is an amazing rider. I think she's super intelligent and her horse is amazing. And we, we rode together for pretty much from Forest Hill on. She was way ahead of me going out of Forest Hill, so I did everything I could to catch up with her, which was great, because Far was strong, he was loving to canter, and um, her horse was loving to trot, so I, I caught right up with her after a few minutes, and we rode together, and at each point, she would leave the vet check in front of me, and so we'd, like, come in, and Far would, was just, he had a voracious appetite, so I was, I was, you know, kind of cautiously trying to let him eat, pull down, but she would go and vet and then she'd take off and leave. So I would do everything I could to vet out and catch back up with her. So I would leave each vet check a couple minutes behind her, just honestly, because I, <laughs> I had to drag far away from the food and I felt bad uh-huh. about it. But I was like, man, like we have the opportunity to win, but I also really want to feed my horse. And so um, us guys get hungry, you know, we get hungry. <laughs> I know. So do I, you know what we, I realized my crew and I realized that I did not eat almost anything throughout the day. I almost didn't have time. The only times that I ate were during the holds and I didn't, I don't think I ate or drank a thing from forest till the finish line, oh, which wow. is insane, wow. but I was running on, running on a drone and then I literally didn't have a moment. I was, every spare moment I had, I was putting stuff in Far's mouth and steering him <laughs> and rating him. Um, but anyways, we, we rode together, kind of took turns leading, um, and I knew that Far wanted to canter, and her horse was super, had this awesome trot, just this freight train trot, so we could, you know, we kind of, it, it worked fine either way, whoever was leading, um, and then we crossed the river, and she she said, you know, I've never been in this position before, so we, we need to come to an agreement on what's going to happen, because we can't race, and 
in my head, I was thinking, I've been in this position before. (laughs) (laughs) We still have a lot of ground. We still have a lot of ground. And I have some hard lessons learned in my head that I was taught by an amazing mentor, Heather Reynolds, who really handed me my own butt uh, a couple years ago on Shazam. And I learned from it. And she she's an amazing competitor. And I learned a lot mm-hmm. from her that year. And, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. And I learned every time I win or lose anything, I, I try to take every lesson home. But regardless, when Lindsay said there was no way to race, I was thinking, wow, the race is a long ways from over right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. But um, I was like, well, here, here's how I see it. You want to win. And I want to win. So we're not going to agree on anything. <laughs> except for how great the weather is you know and um i did say on the way into the quarry i was like i can't tell you that my horse is starving and i would love to spend some time eating and she was like okay i I became to spend some time eating so i was like all right sweet you know and we, we didn't agree on anything we just said yeah we're I, we're game to take care of our horses at the quarry and so we came into the quarry and we actually decided to walk in on foot because it's a downhill you know karen um mm-hmm coming down that rocky hill and around the corner, we just walked down that. Our horses were pretty much down and walked in there and, you know, far just dove into the mash. And I was really happy to see that. And the volunteers were getting me Gatorade and refilling my water bottle. And I see, I see her walking over to the vet already. And I'm like, son of a gun, like, huh. And every, every other checkpoint before that, she had done the same thing. She'd gone to the vet and she had ditched me as quickly as she could. And it took me a couple of minutes to catch up each time, but, I had learned my lesson at this point from both her and Heather, like every time she yeah, was going to leave. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to let her leave this set check before me. Cause this is it. This is the last one. And so yeah, I, I dragged yeah. far over there right next to her. We, we were pulled down we vetted out. And when the vet handed me my card, I said, thank you. And I swung my leg over my horse and I took off at a gallop because I knew my horse was galloping strong. And uh-huh. I literally handed off my out time to the out timer who was running alongside me cheering. And I handed it off to him at a gallop and they were like, go, go, go. And we galloped off into the darkness. And I knew that if I kept him at a gallop, which he was super happy to do, that we would widen the gap. And, and so, so you went across no the hands. One thing, oh yeah. So I yeah. had crew at no hands. That was awesome. And they threw water on me and I galloped right across no hands. So we actually galloped quite a bit of the way home it was only the steep portions that we walked and mm-hmm. he was ready to walk obviously um and he drank just tons and tons because he hadn't been drinking well when we were with Lindsay because it was that stressful you know when sure. one horse is walking mm-hmm. away like okay forget it I'm not going to drink but every time we were alone he drank really well so I was kind of you know super excited because he you know that rock water tank that's built into the side of in the darkness in the cave of right trees, uh-huh. built into uh-huh. the side of the, the black, climb up in auburn he drank and drank and drank it. <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. the rock built in rock tank it built into the side and he drank tons there and i just Good. remember the silence and listening for her behind me just assuming that she would be right behind me and you know my all i can hear is my heart pounding and his heart and his heat coming up and hitting me in the face and he's just he felt so strong underneath me and so we take off again we got through Obi Point, and there's a tank there in the floodlight, and he drank tons at that tank. And again, it was silent, and I was listening, so I was just letting uh-huh. him drink. But also, you know, you could just feel the seconds ticking away, and you're sure. you're just goosebumped because you know you're at the front of the pack. But I've lost a race at that point before, so I'm like, I'm still very alert. And um, we cruised into the finish line, and he came in strong, and he felt so excellent all day. I was just elated, and 
Oh my God. It was, it was fun. We had so much fun all day. That trail was, that trail is epic. Boy, he must, uh, he must just recover. Far must recover so well. Yeah, he does. He actually, but his, I had learned, you know, I had obviously picked the brains of everybody who had ridden them from Jenny Smith, who took Higgin Cup on them to Rusty, to everybody that I could talk to. And it was very obvious that Francisco's was his harder point. So that's where I ripped off the saddle and cooled him like crazy. And he recovered pretty well. And um, I can't, I can't complain, obviously. He did super great the whole time, but I also went to extreme measures, including not drinking at all. All the water that I carried on my saddle went on to him. Wow. So I would hydrate like crazy with the volunteers. They would be bringing me Gatorade and water, and I'd be chugging water to the point where I wanted to vomit. And I'd have them refill my water bottles, and all the water that went in my water bottles went on him. I would continue to keep him wet. If you see any picture, you'll see that he's sopping wet. That horse was sopping wet all day long, and I just made sure that he stayed wet. And I did everything I could to cool him at the vet checks, and I did everything I could to uh, feed myself during those short moments. We acknowledge on this show badass women, and now you're in that category. (laughs) Okay, we're putting you in that category (laughs) of badass woman. Uh, and your horse, <laughs> too. Sure. We'll make him a badass man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's not mine, remember. He's Kevin's. And yes. Rusty owns him now, but I would love to claim him as my yeah, own. Yeah, but, but I'm you know what? Honored t- to have been given the opportunity to ride him. Well, you, you took the you time to sink job. with him. And, you know, imagine, I, I was just thinking about what you said earlier about, you know, getting in sync with the horse and how you were a little worried about that. God, that must be awful when you start a 100 mile race and you're not. That's not going to go yeah, well I, all day, is I, it? I mean, it's just for <laughs> no, anybody. I, yeah. Thank God I wouldn't know what that's like, but thank God, because I was, thought I was about to find out what that's like. And it was, it just, it all came together literally, literally in the days before the race. And, and it was just awesome. It was, honestly, it was magical. I wish I could describe it, but I can't. And, and he and I were just, I mean, we we're super bonded. We were with it. And I can't tell you how fluid everything was and how visceral our, our communication was. Like he has been, I had had a lot of trouble with him bleeding on the bit on our training rides and, and having to really be on his face, which I hate doing. I love really soft touch. And after that, he just, he was reading my body cues and he was listening to my verbal cues and, and it was so much better. It was just like, boom, everything clicked and, and it was awesome. And I, and I understood him. I knew when he wanted to go faster in a way that he was like pissed off, in which case we can go faster. And I knew there were times when we needed to slow down. And there were times when I pissed him off because I knew we needed to slow down. I never trotted him up any of those hills. There was a lot of people that cruised up him, And I, I absolutely disagreed. I would either be on foot or we would be walking and I would not push him up those hills because you only have so much uphill gas. And mm-hmm. so there were times when we definitely disagreed, <laughs> but, wow. um, he, he and I, he communicated with me all day and he listened to me all day and I listened to him and it was just, it was awesome. I can't tell you. I think, I think Kevin was right there and, it was that, just, and that he was helping with that communication. Right. Yeah. What an awesome experience and congratulations again. And Thank you. now tell us about the national championship ride that's coming up in just a couple more weeks. Well, I'm really excited about it, even though I'm fried. <laughs> um, <laughs> The good news is that I've hosted two races this year, so the trails are fairly well done. Um, but we've had so much rain that the bushes are just growing like crazy. So we have to go back through and, you know, trim everything up and get everything fully marked and get the signs up again. And 
um, make sure all the ranchers' cattle are are happy and gates are where they need to be. Um, my trail is gorgeous. I think anybody who loves Tavis will love my trail. Um, it ranges from 7,000 to 9,000 feet. It's 100% on private cattle ranches. The trail is extremely exclusive for that reason. There are no people, including myself, that get to ride these trails except for on race day to registered SoCo riders. Cool. So I've never even done my trails. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> That's I've very cool. cleared them. And I've been on them on motorcycles and four-wheelers and with axes and on ribbons and marking tape. And um, I've never even gotten to ride them, but the trails are only open to riders during ride days, you know, during insured moments. And it's just, it's gorgeous. They cross the, the cool thing about the Spanish Peaks area is that these, these, there are these volcanic formations that pushed up through the earth's crust and cracked the earth's crust and the magma came up and filled those cracks, but then it cooled. It never erupted. And so the magma that, that cooled in those cracks is much harder than the earth around it. And so over the millions of years, the earth around it eroded. And so there's these huge rock walls that, that come out like spokes on a wagon wheel all the way around the mountains. And so those are all over throughout the ride. And it makes our trails kind of funny from above, you know, bird's eye view. The map looks like somebody could cheat really easily because like the trail goes all the way to the right and it goes all the way to the left and you could just go across right there, but you can't because there's an 80 foot rock wall (laughs) or there's an 80 foot drop, Uh you know, you know what I mean? And there's sandstone cliffs that we wrap them around and there's wildflowers and elk and deer and antelope and turkey and grouse and bear and mountain lion and and it's just it's awesome it, it is technical it is a rocky mountain ride and i have no desire to make it a flat track course for people so i mean the people that get scared then it, maybe it's not their bag you know maybe it's not their cup of tea but xp riders and mountain zone riders and everybody else they don't even think twice about any of the technical mm-hmm. sections they just love it they come in just giggling and smiling from ear to ear and that's what I want. I want people to have fun. And and there's there's definitely stretches where you can smoke it on. You know, there's like two tracks that you can just gallop all day on. And then he'll get to a section where there's a steep climb or a steep descent. And, and so it mixes up a lot. And, and that's the kind of riding I love. So I hope everybody else loves it, too. Well, now, where, where what's the website for it? Do you have a website for it? I know you have a website, too. I want yep. to get that before we, we have to wrap up here. Yep. So um, I have two companies. The the website for the rides is SoCoEndurance.com. And there is also SoCo Endurance Facebook page so that people can kind of keep up on, up, you know, just daily stuff. I post pictures all the time of the trail and just little updates. And there's links on there. But SoCoEndurance.com. And if you go to the SoCo Endurance Facebook page, there's a link to the website. And that's where the sign-up sheet is. And there's pictures and all sorts of information on their directions, et cetera. Well, congratulations again. Uh, so, so cool. I have to ask you one thing, though, before we go. How'd you get the name Tennessee? Okay. <laughs> oh, it's a family name. It's six generations deep. Oh, is that right? So <laughs> that was the last so, name? Or was it a first name always? Um, nope. Nope, nope. It was always girls. It was their first name. And so my family on my mom's side settled the West, just like, like you read in the history books. You'll actually... Yeah be reading American history books and there are places where I've found that, that I'm reading about my own family, but they settled the West in the covered wagon and traded with the Indians. And some of my family was living on the Tennessee, Kentucky state line border when they drew the line and made the border and named the two states. 
And so I guess that my family had a whole lot of Tennessee pride. And so when they named the state Tennessee and everything, they named their newborn daughter Tennessee. And Tennessee is an Indian word. It means where the river bends. And here's the comical part is they drew the line and it turns out they were in Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm kind of glad you weren't named Kentucky. I think Tennessee's gotten more romantic, actually, uh, for a first name. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, the family actually settled all the way to the west and ended up winning land in the uh, land races. Um, So I guess riding fast horses runs in my blood, but the land that my family won in the Texas land races is still in the family. I still go and hunt whitetail there every year. And um, there's quite a few other Tennessees in my family. We all go by Tenny, and we all spell Tenny differently. That's why mine is the weird one with the T-E and an E-Y. Um, but, yeah, that's, it's just a family name, oh, what and a I'm, cool story. I'm happy to honor it. And I guess, I guess my great-aunt Tennessee used to ride for the Pony Express, and she delivered the mail and babies. So, again, I guess it runs in my blood. Oh, that's there needs so to cool. be a book about your family. I mean, that could be a book. I see the movie right now. Right. <laughs> Let's do it. Hey, do that in your free time, Tennessee. Do that. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I will get right on that in yeah. maybe 10 years from now. <laughs> Congratulations again. Well done. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Good job. Good job. And and thanks again <laughs> for making time for us this morning. All right. Now no back problem. home. Back home for you. You got work to do. <laughs> yep, I do. <laughs> All right, we'll see you, Tenny. Come to the national championships, everybody. All right, bye-bye. Bye. What a cool story all the way around. I know, isn't this fun? Yeah, I mean, what a cool story. Uh, you know, people. Tevis always brings out the really cool stories, doesn't it? And the next one is even cooler. But first, you have to tell us about some uh, boots that were worn all over Tevis this year. Yeah, several people did ride in the Renegades this year, and... um I've ridden in Renegades for several thousand miles on my horses. They work really well. I used them at, at the Hat Creek ride. I did uh, uh, 50 miles on Chief, and Bo did 100 miles altogether using the Renegades drop-on boots. Uh, they work great going over rocks and hard-packed gravel and, uh, you know, tough technical trails. The horses do really, really well in them. Um, they're easy to use because you just need to adjust the Velcro. Uh, I've got my junior trained so she can put the boots on and take them off. Uh, they're easy enough for a 10 year old to use. And so, uh, they're a really great product made in the USA. They're offered in many different colors, uh, two different boot models. Uh, so you can kind of fit them based on your horse's hoof shape. The company is great to help. If you need help fitting the boots, uh, they also have a glue on boot, which is what, you know, most people I think prefer if they're going to do a ride like Tevis to, to glue them on and, uh, and then they don't have to, you know, even look at their horse's feet. They're just, uh, you know, the boots are there. Um, I like the strap on boots for most of the rides I do just because you put them on for the ride. And then when you're done, you take them off. And, uh, and if you're doing a ride, a training ride or whatever, and the footing is good, um, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes I'll put the boots on and other times I won't, Um, you know, which is nice because it develops a horse that has a nice, you know, healthy foot and they're, uh, you know, just solid on their feet, which is what you kind of want to have for, for endurance or just long, 
trail rides. And so for anybody that's interested in learning more about Renegades, go to renegadehoofboots.com. Very good. Well, our next guest is ready. And boy, talk about, we've already heard stories today, but nothing like this. Yeah, we're going to have fun with talking with Molly. She was great. I sent her a message yesterday and I said, what are you doing at seven o'clock tomorrow morning? And, and she answered back, talking to you. <laughs> and so, so uh, Molly is from the Northwest region. She's an endurance writer who 49 years ago completed Tevis for the first time. Uh, she rode her horse Skipper, who is in Appaloosa, and completed just this past weekend in Tevis again, which is uh, quite a feat. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing from her. Welcome, Molly. Thank you. Good morning. Oh, how are you doing today? I am doing very well, thank you. And so is Skipper. Oh, good. Have you made it back home? Yes, I'm home now. We got home last night about 8. Okay. All okay. right, Molly, before we start, oh. Karen, I have to ask, because everybody, uh-huh. everybody listening right now is, is trying to calculate in their head how old that makes Molly. And you know what? <laughs> You're not supposed to ask age, but I don't think we can get around it in this interview. <laughs> no. So, So how old are you? <laughs> Well, well, Tevis calculates the horses, you know, right down to the month. So okay. it is 74.75. <laughs> okay. All right, good. Because I was trying to figure that out 49 years ago. I was going, either she was three when she rode the first time, or she's got to be in her 70s, one or the other. <laughs> so. Well, uh, you know, I'm pushing 75. Wow, amazing. That's just amazing. But- I don't I don't feel it. I don't even feel it that way today. Good. Wow. So what, what my 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 rear end does though, but I'll tell you why <laughs> later. That's a, that's a unique that's a unique story in itself. Okay. What possessed you? Just curious. What why were you inspired to do Tevis 49 years after you did it the first time? I had to bookend it. Because <laughs> I had two att- I I had two attempts since i okay. can't remember the years i think i think it was 2010 and then the other one was was five years ago and and um the my one attempt was on on uh, a horse named duffy and i got pulled at chicken hawk on him for lameness and i think it also ended up as metabolic and that is the horse that robert ribley finished on four different times crow pony okay and then i then i uh fail on another happy mare and I just said, I got to finish this. I've got to bookend it. And I think mostly for my late husband. So give us a little bit of a, like a comparison. What did you think of the ride, you know, 49 years ago compared to, to now? The thing I remember 49 years ago is how hard, how hot, how dry, and without shade, the canyons were. Cougar Rock meant nothing to me then. We had to go over it. And I, and I understand we went through Duncan Canyon, which is still unclear to me because which one of those switchbacks and hills is, is Duncan Canyon. <laughs> so, so we got to, you know, because they were not, they're fairly benign. It's fairly benign to me. Mm-hmm. So I, but I think the canyons were the hardest part for me 49 years ago. And what about this time? The fact that my camelback broke early in the ride, soaking me. Uh oh. And then, of course, it rained, and I, I ripped that thing off and poured the water on my horse's neck. 
because it was a 70 ounce camelback. But I was completely soaked. And it was not until I got to Forest Hill I could get out of those wet clothes. Oh, so, so that I, explains so, the sore bum. So I have, a li- I have a little bit of hide missing on the cheeks. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, not my face. <laughs> it's a good thing you're tough. <laughs> and then you had to turn oh, around God. and drive home. It's like, oh, did you lay down to drive, you know? <laughs> well, no, you know what? I had I had the best crew, and I had three people who drove home. I never touched the steering wheel this trip. Oh, good. For the first time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> so, okay, so tell us, tell yeah. us about Skipper. Skipper is uh, he's an appy sport horse breeding. His sire is the famous Wap Spotted. That's a horrible name, but it's Wapiti breeding. And I just, I was just smitten from the first time I saw his photograph and uh, bought him and, with the intent of doing Tevis. And I've had him for, I think, three or four years. And last year, Robert Ribley borrowed him for Virginia City. Mm-hmm. So I took him to California and I left him with Robert. So I have to credit the Ribleys for conditioning the horse for me. And I had to finish because this was a very expensive ride. <laughs> and and I listened to them to, you know they were great mentors and, and, and you too Karen on the sweet water because that helped a lot and then at at Forest Hill Brian Reom caught up with me he's the man with the mule who helped mm-hmm. the ladies in the canyon and he said do you know the trails and I said not very well and he said follow me and I did then we oh, picked good. up, I believe it was Mark Montgomery and the two juniors. Uh-huh. And they followed, and they followed. And if it wasn't for him booking all the way to Francisco, I probably would not have finished. Because I chased that time clock from the start. You and a lot of other people that, did. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. That first part of the trail, the news section, was horrible. Very, very rocky. That start, that three-mile control start at a walk really hurt a lot of us. It probably cost a lot of us a half an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was horrible. Thank Right. So after the actual start time. time, you had to walk for three miles? Three miles, about three miles. Yeah, it was a control okay. start. That, and that hurt a lot of people. That, you know, and, and they, Tevis thought the front runners would get to Robinson, I think, about an hour sooner than they did. I and know. I had heard from... I know. And I don't know, they thought that, but some runners had said, no, that's not going to happen. And it didn't. Right. I know they were thinking the ride was going to be a little faster up until, you know, uh-huh. there, and it ended up being the opposite. <laughs> it was and because it was mm-hmm. so terribly, terribly rocky. There are places where the trail looked really good, was heavy in dirt and rocks. Uh-huh. It was very rocky. I'm surprised there weren't more lame horses. The weather gods were with us. I never saw the sun until the second canyon coming up. Wow, right. So I think the weather saved a lot of us. Uh-huh, yes. And, and then they yeah, extended and, and, the cutoff times, too. And they extended the cutoff times. That made a huge difference. And then they were so great. Like I said, I'm going, I can't thank Brian enough. I rode with Robert quite a ways. And then he got a, he got a little bit ahead of me uh, because with my wet clothes, I couldn't get my pants up and down to go to the bathroom fast enough. 
uh-huh. you know. <laughs> right. And, you know, it'd be, you know, you, you know, it's a fact. You have to do something on these long rides. Well, what'd you do for anyway? Uh, what, your water thing broke. What'd you do with for water the rest of the time for you? Uh, well, my water bottles and my saddle were for my horse. We're having the appy, the thicker skin, and a little heavier muscle. Unlike the Arab, I had to keep him cool, keep him pulsed down. I just picked up water bottles from, from the volunteers at the ride, and then when I got to my crew people, did that. Mm-hmm. And then I put my, and then I used my camelback to put my easy boot in the back, my spare. Yeah. And Because I got tired of it banging on my knee. Yeah. Jeez. But I think that my favorite part of the ride, believe it or not, I, surprisingly, was the night part of it. Once, once Brian picked me up, you know, I mean, we were moving. Well, he is a very time. popular guy. <laughs> yeah, he seemed to get around. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I met him going down the canyon where he picked up that one gal. And she was uh-huh. riding the mule. And I thought, that is kind of against rules, isn't it, to have somebody leading? Because I saw the number on the mule. I didn't know the story. Uh-huh. And I didn't know the story until I got to Fort, until um, we got to uh, Fort, no. When Francisco was when I found the full story out, or Forest Hill, I don't remember where. And so, yeah, he he was just awesome, because I passed him in the canyon, and and uh, yeah, it was Forest Hill. Somebody said he he had rescued those one person. And I found out about the second one. So what a great man! And thanks, thank you, Tevis, for giving him an extension on his time, which most of which he did not need. Right. I had six. I had six minutes from the bottom of Bath Hill to get uh. to the the end timer. We ran up Bath Road. Uh-huh. And I was scared to death my horse wasn't gonna pulse down for a long time because you know, and I made it I right on right <laughs> at the cutoff time. Just <laughs> slid in under the wire. <laughs> so the and first I, and time I got, you and did I, Tevis, were you that close to cutoffs then? No, I no. as I recall I was mid pack. I think I came in around Probably around four. So no, I was not chasing the time clock on that one. I oh, don't okay. recall that. I I have never chased a time clock on a, a ride as much as I did for a hundred miles. Uh-huh. I was chasing it. I knew right. we were in trouble with that controlled start. Uh-huh. So tell what 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 from what do you think is the biggest difference from forty nine years ago to today on Tevis? I don't know uh, because. I, I don't remember a lot. I, there were a lot of volunteers even early. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if there's been a lot of changes. I'm sure there's been a lot of changes or had to have been. But, the vet uh, criteria. Yeah, but Tevis was my, yeah, my, yeah, my very, very first endurance ride ever was Tevis. I had nothing to compare Really? To. <laughs> okay, we didn't know that part. <laughs> nothing like starting no, with no, the hardest. I had... <laughs> Yeah, and I don't even remember, because I worked with the gal at the post office back then, and I don't even not even sure how I got sucked into it. I I didn't well, I didn't know <laughs> I was getting sucked into it. Forty nine years ago, we didn't have that many endurance rides in California. Hmm. It, they they just there just weren't that many. Right. The diamond rides in, in Red Bluff existed. I think uh-huh. there's a ride called wow. Calico, and there's a couple of them, but there weren't many at all. But yeah, Tevis uh, was my very very first endurance ride. Got it. Well, that makes wow. Sense. And of course, you know. AERC didn't exist then. Mm-hmm. And then my husband and I moved to Canada, and I got out of endurance until uh, 
I think it was 2003 or 2004. 2003, I was on active duty with the Army. So 2004, I think I got back into it. Wow. Look at all these badass women we I got. know. <laughs> Glenn. Well, we had one on badass guy, too. Oh, my uh, gosh. Jeremy was on, yeah. too. So. Wow. Jeremy yeah, well, my, was, my, yeah. yeah. My background was... Uh, we do a lot. My husband and I were farmers and are, and of course now that I'm widowed, uh, so I'm I'm very active, and I think it's what's kept me young in spirit. Well, very sure. cool. Well, congratulations on finishing after 49 years, finishing another one. And yes, uh, congratulations. So are we going to see you again in another 49? <laughs> no. Uh, no. This is it. <laughs> I will be. I will go to Tevis as a volunteer because I love going to the ride. But I've done my last 100. Okay. <laughs> Well, well, we'll give you well, that one. Well, good for you. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I'm so well, happy uh, for you. Congratulations. Uh, all right. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, take Molly. care, Molly. Thanks. All right. All right. Go get rested Bye-bye. up. <laughs> if you want to see a picture of her and her horse, I posted on Horses in the Morning Facebook page this morning. Her appy is so cute, too, and Isn't very she's, happy. <laughs> she's probably got some very unique Saddle swords. <laughs> yes. yes. Sounds everything. Like. Ouch. <laughs> Nothing like having wow. your equipment break in the first mile and being screwed uh, from then on. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no kidding. But man, what a tough lady, huh? Yep. Very tough you lady. Know? 70, and, uh, what, 75 You know, years it was old. so awesome to see, see all these people that made it through after, you know, like she said, they were chasing the clock all day long. They were right on the cutoff times. So real quick, for those that uh, are not endurance riders, when they say chasing the clock into the checkpoints, what do they mean by that? They have cutoff times, and they know historically if somebody comes in past that time, they're probably not going to be able to finish in uh, time. And so you can be pulled for overtime. Well, this year, because the trail rode a lot slower than they anticipated, uh, they extended the cutoff times by like a half an hour. Because at, at Robinson's Flat, which is like 36 miles into the ride, there were like 18 people that came in after the normal cutoff time. Um, so when they extended it by a half hour, it allowed those people the chance, the opportunity to, you know, make up the time. And many of them did, and they went on to finish. There was something also, I think, like 40 people that were within 15 minutes of making the cutoff time. So, you know, there were a lot of riders this year that were right there, right on what we call, you know, the clock. That They were, like, really close uh, to um, you know, uh, and you know, that's the last thing you want to have happen on a ride like Tevez is to get pulled just because you're a couple of minutes, you know, too slow. Um, so the, uh, the ride management did a great job with, um, you know, uh, you know, letting them have a little bit extra time and then they let them have a little, um, they extended it again at Forest Hill, and uh, but the writers knew, you know, the ones that that I know that were out there, they knew they had to hustle and and keep going, and and a lot of them did, and they pulled it off, and they were able to finish, which is, you know, uh, just incredible. But man, the stress! <laughs> I guess it's one of the risks of changing the track, even for the management, right? Right, because yeah. they thought it was going to, like Jeremy had mentioned that he thought the course maybe was a little bit shorter, but it rode much slower because of, um, you know, those rocks in that extra canyon that they added in early in the ride. Plus, like Molly had, had mentioned, uh, the controlled start where they had to walk that extra 
up to three miles or so at the beginning, um, that hurt a lot of people because on a normal Tevis, uh, once you start, you're able to, to move out. Right. Well, what yeah. a what a race this year, and uh, we're so glad that everybody, I mean, you, and by the way, Karen, I want to thank you. You hustled to get everybody booked for today. I mean, they're all on their way home, pretty much, so. Um, right, yeah. yes. <laughs> you really hustled. We're only two days after the race, and you got it done, so congratulations there. I also, you know, want to congratulate you, too, and and uh, your your boy, Bo, who, who had his five times award there at the award ceremony at Tevis. Thanks. Uh, and it is a big deal and you know there aren't too many that accomplish that and you did so congratulations for that now uh i don't know how old you are but uh, at 75 <laughs> i expect to see you out there doing your last well, race i asked a couple of my friends would <laughs> you want to go back and do tevis 49 years after you did it the first time and pretty much the answer was always the no. same no <laughs> <laughs> not just no just <laughs> but hell no hell no <laughs> So we're not going to see you out there at 75? I know what I feel like at 55. I, with the aches and pains, I can't imagine. That's just incredible. It really is incredible. Well, I, good I was her. a little older than Molly when I did it, so it w- I, would, I would be like in my 80s. So, <laughs> well, there you um, go. There's a no, goal. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> yeah, my hat's off to Molly. Good, you know, good for her. I mean, she is tough enough. And, uh, I mean, all the writers that, that went through the course this year are – just a little bit tougher than they were a week ago. <laughs> That's right. And their horses, too. Congratulations to all and of them. And their horses, well too. Done. Yes. Congratulations. Well, tomorrow we'll be back here. Uh, Jamie will be here for our normal Wednesday show. We'll be giving you a Mongol Derby update because it starts tonight at 10 o'clock. So we should be able to see the trackers and see them all heading out. By the time we all wake up tomorrow, they'll have changed horses four times. Wow. So, so uh, you know, and apparently in the beginning when they're getting used to these wild ponies, uh, it uh, some of them come off. So we'll, we should be seeing updates on the Twitter feed for for the Mongol Derby Live and also on their on their website at the Adventurous. Just search for Mongol Derby. It'll come up or or check out the links I have them pinned to the top of the Horses in the Morning Facebook page. So we should get a beginning reports. I think we interviewed 10 or 12 of the riders that are heading out this year. So wow. you'll be able to find them all and follow their little trackers. Hopefully they work. Uh, and uh, I know that there's one husband, Tommy, who will be watching it every minute of every... I don't know how he's going to get any work done today. Tommy uh-huh. is supposed to join us tomorrow morning. Leslie's husband oh, is supposed good. to join us first thing in the show. So we will get an idea of that. Devin, who, uh, Devin Horn, who you know, uh, Devin, who just finished 500 miles of the Colorado Trail and did uh, did the Mongol Derby twice, is going to be joining us hopefully fr- or Thursday morning. And she's going to let us know, apparently the alumni of the Mongol Derby have a betting pool, just like in Hunger Games. Okay. Where they oh, take wagers okay. behind the scenes, and she's going to give us the secret wagering of the alumni. So we'll, we'll find out where, what the odds are and who's the odds-on favorite after the first day. So that's uh, that's what's going on tomorrow and Thursday is Mary, and then we're off to Ada on Friday and uh, going to be doing some shopping for all of you, checking out what the new products <laughs> are. And <laughs> Jennifer's Yay. very happy about that. I think she's bringing an extra bag this year, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you need anything, Karen, send an email to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Okay. All right. Get your email over to her. Thank you, Karen. What's your website? Where can everybody follow you? Uh, my blog website is karenchatton.com. 
Very good. Sounds good. KarenChatton.com. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you again tomorrow morning. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget to download the Horse Radio Network app. All 15 of the shows we have are uh, on there. So just go to Horse Radio Network, iOS or Android App Store. It's free and it's easy and it's the simplest way to listen to our shows. Take care, everybody.